Hello, Fins Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Fins with Frisch podcast brought to you by Riviera Produce, the number one produce company in the entire world. And when I think of produce, I think of grocery stores. And what's something that you take away from grocery stores other than groceries? Receipts. That's right. We are coming on here today with receipts. And You know, I don't think I've been this excited to uh, do an episode on this podcast, probably since since the entire time. Um, You know, it's funny, people enjoy when I angrily rant about the team, which I've done two times, and I really don't enjoy those. Like, when I had to come on here and roast them after we lost 48-20 to the Bills, or I had to roast them after we lost to the Eagles. Like, even, even when we lost to the Chiefs, I was like, okay, like, perspective. Like, I didn't roast them. I don't enjoy that. Like, it's it's miserable. Like, it, it, it feels good. I'm like, okay, like, I get my anger out about how angry I am about how terrible the team played. But, like, I, I'm not happy talking about how bad the football team I want to win is. Right now, I get to clown all the people who said that the team... And more specifically, Tua Tungavailoa, we're going to suck. That's way more fun. When the team I want to win is winning, and all the people that say my team sucks are miserable because their team sucks and my team's winning. So anyway, here's what I would like to discuss. A lot of people are saying that Tua Tungavailoa is only good because of Tyreek Hill. So I went back because I knew this. And there's people out there who have known me for a while and can confirm they can, I, I have some bad predictions. I, I thought Zach Wilson would be really good, but I also have some good ones. And I have been say I had been saying long before Tyreek went to the Dolphins, he's the best receiver in the NFL. So I always thought Tyreek was the best receiver in the NFL. Not always, not like right when he came to the league, but you get what I'm saying. Not everybody did. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, everyone's saying two is only good because of Tyreek Hill. Well, when Tyreek Hill first came to the Dolphins. I don't remember everyone saying this guy is the best player in the league. So what did I do? I went and go look and I went and looked up some uh, pre Miami Dolphin wide receiver rankings, pre Tyreek Hill Miami Dolphin wide receiver rankings. So let's start uh, in 2021 with um, the smartest people in the world at Pro Football Focus ranking the 25. Best wide receivers from the 2021 NFL regular season. And by the way, these links are going to be posted on my Twitter um, after the release of the episode. Where does Tyreek Hill rank? He ranks number eight. Now, he's actually ranked um, behind Stephon Diggs and one spot ahead of T. Higgins. So, and, and two spots ahead of Hunter Renfro. So, pro football focus. Look, I mean, we got to give him credit. They thought Tyreek Hill was better than T. Higgins and Hunter Renfro. So so hats off to them for realizing that. Who was ahead of Tyreek Hill? Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, who was on the Packers at the time. Now, let's look at the quarterbacks of these teams. Aaron Rodgers uh, with Adams, Matt Stafford with Cup. Uh, with Debo, it was Jimmy G at the time. Now it's Purdy. Justin Jefferson with Kirk, Jamar Chase with um, Joe Burrow, CeeDee Lamb with Dak, and Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen. Other than Brock Purdy with the Niners, do we hear about any other um, quarterbacks that are only good because of their receivers? Answer, no. Um, I get Rodgers, obviously, is established, and some of those other... Actually, not not really any of those other guys are established, but that's one. Uh, And and I'm not coming to you with one receipt. I'm coming to you with multiple receipts. Let's go to another PFF article, because that's... You know, maybe they were just saying, here's how they performed in 2021. Well, 2022, this is May 24th, 2022 by Anthony Triash, uh, and I'm just reading that for the first time, that his last name is Triash, which makes sense because um, his, that his last name is the word I would use to describe his wide receiver rankings, uh, but not even really, like no one was saying that Tyreek's the best in the league. Uh, tier 1 elite, Devontae Adams 1, Cooper Cup 2, DeAndre Hopkins 3, Stephon Diggs 4, Tyreek Hill 5. So Tyreek Hill, top five receiver, but certainly not the best receiver of all time, which everyone is now saying that he is. Let's go to 538, um, and this would be a perfect segue into Clown of the Week, which I'm very excited for. We're going to be talking about nerds this week um, and how they know nothing about football. Well, what did the nerds at 538, who, are, um, who basically predict elections, decided to venture into football? Where did they think Tyreek Hill should be ranked? Uh, in 2022, so this is, I think this is after the 2022 season. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So updated February 13, 2023. So this is at, at the end of the season. Uh, they had Tyreek Hill. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't even know if I should be bringing up this receipt because, like, this is obviously a joke. But they had him after 2022 ranked 10 in the league behind A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Tyler Lockett, which is hilarious. Diggs, Deontay Johnson's the fifth best receiver in the league in 2022, according to 538. George Kittle, the tight end, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Chris Olave, all tied at seven. Then Tyree kills tied with Travis Kelsey at 10. Uh, I've got two more receipts for you guys. Bleacher Report, August 2022, the NFL's top wide receiver trios entering the 2022 season. Coming in at number six with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, and then I know it's trios, Cedric Wilson's not good. But the Dolphins had the number six wide receiver trio in the NFL. Everyone would say today that they have the number one trio in the NFL. And finally, uh, there is an NFL.com article. This is after 2022, and I just wanted so this is this is after Tyreek season last year. They didn't even rank Tyreek Hill number one. They ranked him at two. They had Justin Jefferson at number one, and Justin Jefferson had a great year. Um, but the whole point of this, I, I, I'm not roasting these people for saying that Tyreek was not the best receiver in the league because I know Tyreek's the best in the league. Everyone knows he's the best in the league now. Uh, but what I but I am pointing out, and, and I'm not saying because I, I always thought Tyreek was the best in the league, I'm not saying that these people are idiots for thinking that Justin Jefferson was better last year or thinking that he wasn't better than Devontae Adams in 2021. What I'm pointing out is, Everyone is now saying Tua Tonga-Vailoa is only good because of Tyreek Hill. Um, and that's funny to me because everyone's saying, yeah, if he didn't have anyone could be good with Tyreek Hill, he, you know, he's the best receiver of all time. He'd, be any, he'd make any quarterback look great. But when he first came to the Dolphins, no one was saying Tyreek's the best in the league. And the whole narrative was that he wasn't going to be good with Tyreek, uh, with Tua. He was going from Mahomes to Tua. You know, he was chasing the bag. He doesn't care about winning championships anymore. He got a Super Bowl. He's essentially retiring. It was early retirement for Tyreek. People go to Florida when they retire, and that's what Tyreek Hill was doing. He was going to Florida to retire with a noodle-armed quarterback that can't throw. That's what everyone was saying. Now, Tua is putting up MVP caliber numbers, and everyone's like, well, hold on. He's not the MVP. Tyreek Hill is the MVP. Uh, Tua was nothing before Tyree Kill. Stephen A. Smith they, or, or Shannon Sharp are getting on there saying, did you see what uh, Tua looked like before Tyree Kill? Uh, they're saying he looked he looked bad. He didn't look good. Those guys, those guys were saying, Colin Coward was saying, it doesn't matter who they got, um, or it doesn't matter they got Tyree Kill. They're not going to be good because they have two at quarterback. Colin Coward, there were videos out there. Uh, people were talking about, or his video, he was talking about like a Ferrari. Like it doesn't matter if you have a Ferrari, if your driver doesn't know how to drive. That's what he was saying. Like Tyree kills a Ferrari and Tua's an inept driver without arms. Uh, well, he was wrong. But um, so everyone, again, and now now it's like I'm beating a dead horse. But but you get the point. People that are trying to discredit Tua are say, we're saying at first that Tyree Kill is not going to be good with Tua. Now, Tua said it perfectly. He basically said that if I were to walk on water, they would say it's because I can't swim. And people and people have tweeted that. And and that's exactly true. We we have reached a point where there's nothing that Tua can do to show people that he's a good quarterback. It does not matter. Like if you watch the throws he's making, he played unbelievable this past Sunday. He's having an unbelievable year. It does not matter to these guys. Like and just to just to back up real quick, um Steven Ruiz, you know, the idiot, and he's going to be mentioned. He didn't win Clown of the Week this week. He almost did. He came very, very close. He was actually involved in the discourse that led to the Clown of the Week being selected, but he didn't win it. Um, he said that given, when, when Tyreek signed with the Dolphins, that giving Tyreek and Waddle to Tua would hurt the product. The NFL shouldn't allow Tyreek to go to the Dolphins. Um, and so where's all this coming from, that Tua isn't good? Uh, even though no one was saying that before. No one, no one was saying, like, Tyreek's going to make Tua have insane numbers, but he's not going to be good. Um, like, what Shannon Sharp was saying was that we saw what Tua looked like before Tyreek Hill, right? Well, let's, let's discuss what Tua did look like before Tyreek Hill. So Tua, had, Tua came into the league, um, and again, we, we can bring in Stephen A for another second. 
on 20 in, in 2020 or 2019 when we were tanking, Stephen A said, this is might be the worst football team I've ever seen in my entire life. And he's got to be like 50 something years old. So he, he, you know, he's seen a lot of football in his life. He said the 2019 Miami Dolphins were the worst team he'd ever seen, seen in his entire life. Maybe. Okay. He said that that's on the record. You can find it. Um, Tua breaks his hip, comes to the Dolphins in 2020. So he comes to a terrible team, and his trainer said he didn't really get to train. He was rehabbing the hip. People were wondering, the people that pretend to care about his health, like Bart Scott, who laughs and says he's one hit away from dying, and then when he gets concussions, like the Dolphins should hold him out because he really just hates the Dolphins. They were all like, oh, I'm super concerned. Tua might never walk again. Well, he comes in the league. His coach hates him. Um, but let, let, let's go further. So let's talk about what he had around him because we see a lot of excuses get made for quarterbacks these days, especially Justin Herbert. Um, but, but many quarterbacks get excuses, Josh Allen. Um, so he comes to the league. His receiving core consists of Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Jakeem Grant. So that, that was his initial receiving core. So Jakeem Grant is has not caught a pass since 2021. He's actually on the Chicago Bears. Um, his 2021 season with the Dolphins, he that was to his last year before he had uh, Tyreek, he had two catches for negative seven yards, right? So that was his number two receiver was Jakeem Grant. Devontae Parker is on the Patriots. He has 264 yards this year. Um, that was... Another, so Devontae Parker was, I should have started with him, was his wide receiver one. Jakeem Grant was his wide receiver two. And Preston Williams is not in the league. So two of his three pass catchers from three years ago are not in the league. The only one that is, his number one, Devontae Parker, has 264 yards. So who else did he have? Well, he had, um, so I said, so then Preston Williams got hurt. And and two actually had a connection with Preston Williams. Mac Hollins was the number four. He has 247 yards this year. And then Mike Jacecki was the tight end. Mike Jacecki has 182 yards this year. So 182 plus 264, 446 plus Mac Hollins. So 693 of 247 yards. So Mac Hollins, Devontae Parker, Mike Jacecki have combined for 693 yards this year. So two of his rookie year weapons have less than 700 yards in the 2023 football season because Preston Williams is out of the league and uh, Jakeem Grant hasn't caught a pass in two years. And then, so we can say, okay, well, you're the worst weapons in the league. What about his run game? Did he have a good run game? His running back was Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin um, was a favorite of Brian Flores. He loved sticking him in there, running back at, with no competition. Uh, the second Mike McDaniel gets there, he adds Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, who I don't think ever had 1,000 yards in their careers respectively. Uh, looks like Raheem's going to do it this year with the Dolphins. Um, before coming to the Dolphins, they didn't have a 1,000 yards. Miles Gaskin's only able to get 10 attempts on it, on the year in 2022. Yeah, 10 attempts for 26 yards. And then the second he leaves the Dolphins, no other team would touch him. He actually caught on. He dressed for a game with Minnesota and dressed for a game uh, for the LA Rams. Didn't get one carry on another team. So we're talking about of those eight guys, right? I said four receivers, Jacecki, uh, or I'm sorry, six guys, and Miles Gaskin. Three of them are out of the league. Three of them are receivers who have less than 700 yards. So you combine that with a coach that hated him. Then the next year they add Jalen Waddle to that, and Jalen Waddle's a stud, but they had probably the worst run offense I've ever seen in 2021. There were rumors circulating that. <laughs> the co-offensive coordinator. Like we had co-offensive coordinators. So we had terrible weapons, co-offensive coordinators. Oh, we had the worst line in the league, too. I, for, I forgot about that part. Um, there was no Teron Armstead or, or Connor Williams on that team. Um, we had offensive coordinators and the quarterback coach, Charlie Fry, allegedly drawing straws to decide who's going to call plays and a coach that despised Tua. So you have guys like Shannon Sharper, and they're like, what was Tua doing before Tyreek, right? The truth is, because we're interested in truth on this podcast and holding people accountable, holding clowns accountable. The truth is, Tua had the worst weapons in the league. He had the worst O-line in the league. He had the worst play calling in the league. He had the worst relationship with his coach of any quarterback in the league before Tyreek Hill got there. And Tyreek Hill was viewed as one of the best receivers in the league but definitely not head and shoulders above everyone else. 
So, and, and just some other things that I want to mention here, because um, this, this is another thing that is very funny to me. So Tyreek leaves Mahomes. Now he's putting up better numbers than he's ever put up in his career, right? There used to be, people used to say, like, no one ever really said that a quarterback's only great because of his receivers. It used to be a quarterback makes receivers. That's why we care so much about quarterbacks. We're like, they're going to make the receivers better. That's why all these Texans receivers, I like Nico Collins, but Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Noah Brown, everyone's like, these guys are so good. No, they're not. They just drafted a really good quarterback that's making them look good, except for Nico Collins. I like him. And Tank Dell's playing well, but like, you know, what What were, What was Nico Collins doing before, what, was, what were Nico Collins and Noah Brown before C.J. Stroud, right? You know what I'm saying? So, a great quarterback, they, they complement each other. A great quarterback makes a great receiver better, and then a great receiver makes a great or makes a quarterback better. Um, so Stephon Diggs, who remembers? So Dak Prescott had Dez early in his career. Then Dez was old. Dez was washed. Dak kind of Dak's play fell off a little bit in twenty in twenty what's the year twenty nineteen. I'm sorry, twenty eighteen. So. Uh, Dak got Amari Cooper. So Amari Cooper starts his career in Oakland with Derek Carr, who everyone, a lot of people inexplicably love. Most people have come around to the fact that Derek Carr is absolute garbage, uh, which he is. Derek Carr, three years in Oakland, um, never had more than 1,153 yards. And he played and he played 16 games that year. So that was a full season in 2016, 1,153 yards. Uh, 1,070 yards in 2015, his rookie year, 680 in 14 games in his second to last year. 2018, he gets traded to Dallas, and that's when Dak's play took off, right? After going to Dallas, he had, so that season, he got traded after six games with Oakland, 280 yards in those six games, one touchdown. Gets traded to Dallas, nine games, 725 yards and six touchdowns. So Dak started playing a lot better after Amari Cooper got there. But so Amari Cooper play, started playing a lot better after he got to play with Dak. And it was never really clear-cut at the time. No one was like, Dak's so much better than Derek Carr. But just look at what playing with Derek Carr versus Dak Prescott, or I should have said it the other way around, Dak versus Derek Carr, did for Amari Cooper's numbers. Uh, 2019, uh, 1,189 yards. 2020, 1,114 yards. So... And then, you know, his, his play started to kind of fall off in 2021. It was 865. But, um, again, his first year, his first year, 2018, played much better with Dallas. 2019, best season of his career. 2020, right uh, just a little bit behind his best season in Oakland. And then I can say the same thing about Stephon Diggs. I like Kirk Cousins. I, I was a Michigan State fan growing up, but Kirk Cousins is not Josh Allen. Maybe now he is because Josh Allen's regressing despite the last two weeks. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota never had, he had five seasons in Minnesota, only eclipsed 1,000 yards twice, most yards in his career, 1,130. Goes to Buffalo with Josh Allen, 1535, 1225, 1429, 969 through 12 games. So every single year he's in Buffalo, unless he gets hurt this year, he's on pace for four years, would have been his best year yards-wise in Minnesota. And every year he had, he had more touchdowns in every year. He's on pace this year. Uh, in Buffalo than he did in any year in Minnesota, except his first year with Buffalo, he had eight, and in one season out of the five, he had nine in Minnesota, and another season he had eight. But you you get the point. So these receivers, so Josh Allen, look at Josh Allen before Stephon Diggs. He was not good. He gets Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen gets a lot better. Diggs gets a lot better. Dak Prescott was having, you know, he had regressed since his rookie year. Dez was washed. Amari Cooper comes to Dallas, Amari Cooper has a career revival, Dak has a career revival. So it goes both ways. You can't just say that Tyreek Hill, I mean you can, that's what they're doing, but it's obvious. When you look at their evidence, you look at the receipts, you look at the stats, it's clear it's not just Tyreek Hill. Tua's playing unbelievable football. We have to remember, Adam Schefter came out and said, if Tua never broke his hip, he would have been the number one pick before Joe Burrow. And that's after Joe Burrow had probably the best uh, college football season for a quarterback ever, right? Tua was an elite prospect. He came in through the game-winning touchdown pass for the running back that plays quarterback for the Eagles. He threw the winning touchdown pass for Alabama. And everyone was like, this guy's going to be a star in the NFL. Then he breaks his hip. He goes to the team that everyone hates, the Dolphins. 
and everyone sort of jumped on the Tua Sucks train. Coach hated him. Terrible weapons, terrible line. You get the point. Tyreek comes, just like Josh Allen and Dak. Tua starts playing really well, but Tyreek's numbers explode too. Playing with Tua and playing in the offense as well has helped Tyreek Hill. And when it comes to the most valuable player, everyone says, why is it a QB award? And if you argue with people, you'll say, well, look at the team's record without Tua. And they'll say back to you, well, obviously a team's going to be worse with a backup quarterback. They don't realize they're proving your point. Why are they going to be a lot worse with a backup quarterback? Because quarterback is the hardest position to replace because it's the most valuable. It's the most valuable position, right? MVP, most valuable position. So... Everyone gets mad that the best player on the best team, or, or I'm sorry, the best, the, the most valuable player on the best team would get the most valuable player in the league. But when you really think about it, that's completely logical. Now, with all this being said, so Tua should be the MVP. Um, a lot of people look like idiots. A lot of people are still defending themselves. And we're going to have a little bit of an extended Clown of the Week segment this week before we get into um, a little bit you know, more about the details of what the Dolphins are doing and then talk about this uh, coming game against the franchise that signed an idiot quarterback named Ryan Tannehill. But um, look, I, I think we, we, we said we're on a mission here. We want to hold the biggest clowns in the world accountable. And this week, it was unlike any other week I've seen when it comes to Clown of the Week, okay? I've never seen anything like this. Look, every week, there's like, usually there's one guy that does something really stupid, but but this week was wild. Uh, I I think it was 2017, there was like a clown epidemic. I don't know if it was only in Westchester, New York, maybe it was across the country, but it was a trend. And I have a friend who's afraid of clowns, and he was having a rough time with it, but uh, that's what went on this week. It was it was clowns everywhere. I didn't know the Clown of the Week award was so important to... I know it's something the fans enjoyed. I didn't know that people really, really want to win it um, this badly. But this week was... I, I, like Again, I'd never seen anything like it. So let's start. Um, I want to give a shout-out to an honorable mention. We don't do this a lot, but sometimes it's, men- uh, it's necessary. This week, there's going to be two honorable mentions for Clown of the Week. The first one is my friend who was on the podcast uh, before our Week 7 game with the Eagles, Jake Fisher. He's an honorable mention. Jake, I know you're listening. Uh, And here's the deal. Look, I actually was sitting on my couch working from home and just quickly pre-recorded a Clown of the Week um, episode uh, solely for Jake Fisher, right? He was going to be the Clown of the Week. But then, you know, other clowns overtook him. I was really disappointed. I really, 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 really wanted him to be Clown of the Week, but we remain objective. Now, why could he have been Clown of the Week? Well, so like I said last week, there's been a lot of beef behind the scenes with Jake Fisher and I. And look, I used to root, like, I don't mind the Eagles. I have family that are Eagles fans. Um, But, I mean, Jake Fisher from Scarsdale, who was on the podcast, has been super annoying about the Eagles, talking about this, like, oh, we beat the Chiefs for this or that. And I'm just like, dude, like, your team's a bunch of frauds. They're garbage. Like, we played terrible against you. Everyone knows the game was rigged. So anyway, I just kept saying to him, look, like, I mean, you're talking a lot about how good you are. It doesn't really matter because you guys are going to get smoked by the Niners. And they got smoked by the Niners, but why is he a – why was he in the running for Clown of the Week? Well, that morning he sends a video of some Eagles fan – now, come to think of it, actually, it should have been the guy in the video that I'm giving the honorable mention to. So, anyway, the guy in the video, he can also be an honorable mention. I don't know who it is. Um, but whoever was in the video, uh, he was basically clowning all the Niners fans for saying that they would have won the NFC Championship last year if they had their starting quarterback. He's like, oh, these Niners fans, they're all crying. If they could have blocked, they, they, they would have had their starting quarterback. And then he said they were going to get blown out. So then everyone knows what happens. Um, it was one of the most embarrassing losses I've ever seen for a team that considers themselves contenders or to be in the upper echelon of the NFL. Debo Samuel basically was saying all week, he was like, I, he, or not all week, all year. He was saying, if, I, if we had the 10 guys we were missing, we would have won the game. So he's basically for a year was discrediting their Super Bowl run. He was saying, your Super Bowl run means nothing. You didn't win. And if the guys that are on the team that uh, on my team were playing, you wouldn't have won. So he disrespects the entire city. Then goes in to the stadium, has 140 yards, 
and three touchdowns, right? Like, how do, if, how do you, if you consider yourself an elite team, allow an individual to set to discredit your Super Bowl run, one of, your, one of your best seasons in the last 20 years, then come into your house dressed in all black, put on his pads, go for 140 yards, and score more touchdowns than your entire team does combined in a three-hour span. That's what the Eagles did. So then after the game, Jake Fisher scrambling. He, he's like, oh, well, when's the last time the Dolphins won a playoff game? And I just told him, look, man, just take the week off, right? You know, we only get in a certain amount of vacation days per year. Your team just lost 41-19. to Just give it a rest. Take the week off. Try again next week. Actually, they play in Dallas next week, so they're probably going to lose. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I think there's seven refs in a football game. Jalen Hurts has a tough time playing unless he's playing 18 on 11 or running the ball from the one-yard line or on third and one or fourth and one. Um, when he actually has to play quarterback, it's very difficult for him. That's why Tua was the starter. Uh, but he's just an honorable mention, not the clown of the week. Jake, I know you're listening. I hope you enjoyed this segment. Um, and look, people back in the day, actually, people would think this is like a risky thing to like call Jake Fisher a clown. You got to understand, we were like 10 years old. Jake was like, he, he was one of the guys. Like he grew before everyone else. He was bigger than everyone. And like everyone looked at him as if he were like the John Jones of our friends. Now, I, now he's just like a slightly below average sized clown that, you know, just says dumb things like his team loses 41-19. He's like, when was the last time you won a playoff game? I told him to give it like six weeks. Anyway, so... The real clown of the week is a guy named Timo Risk. Now, Timo Risk, his Twitter handle is PFF underscore Moo. So you can already see where this is going. That's already a terrible look. Now, <laughs> so that's the first part. The first word in his bio is mathematician. So a guy with the Twitter handle PFF Moo and in his Twitter bio, the first word's mathematician. So you can already tell this guy knows nothing about football. Now, he now the thing with this guy Timo Risk, if you look him up, he sort of is just like he kind of looks like a carrot with limbs and glasses. Like I, I don't know why, but like if you just look at him, you just think like, oh yeah, that guy's a carrot. So Timo Risk is a carrot that apparently is really good at math, and this guy he comes up with charts and he decides, you know, who's really good at football and who's really bad at p- football based on the math that he does. Um, him being his carrot self. And um, this week, him and Steven Ruiz were having a conversation, right? So these are two uh, individuals with uh, zero brain cells combined talking about football. They know nothing about football. And Pat McAfee was saying, like, there's guys out there that, um, you know, they have done nothing their entire lives but wear a suit and went to school uh, and studied how to be in the media. That's Timo Risk and um, Steven Ruiz. They basically... They were clowning Brock Purdy, and they think Brock Purdy and Tua are the same guy. And, it, you know, the clown of the week should be Steve Ruiz, but I'm not going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to Timo because he started the conversation. Timo Risk came out, and he said that anticipation is the worst word of the year. And basically what he did, and him and Steven Ruiz, this is on Twitter, you can look at this, had a whole conversation about how anticipation is actually a bad thing in quarterbacks. They, so... So, Timo Risk and Steve Ruiz, they've been having a tough time because they hate Brock Purdy. They hate Tua. Tua and Brock Purdy are playing well. They like Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert are playing like garbage. So, they don't know what to do with themselves. So, they decided now anticipation is just a bad thing. And so, obviously, these guys are getting clowned. And um, someone actually pulls up a tweet today of Steven Ruiz. And I know Steven Ruiz isn't the clown of the week, but I... <laughs> This is just too funny to not mention. Of him in 2019 uh, posting a video of Peyton Manning throwing a touchdown pass, talking about how incredible the anticipation was on the throw. So again, and we've said this before, these guys don't actually believe the stuff they say. They're just scrambling to make an argument that Tua isn't a good quarterback. In this case, it was Brock Purdy. One more guy that needs to be mentioned uh, to get him here. Oh yeah, Grant Paulson. He posted a video of Tua's second touchdown pass to Tyreek a 60-yard touchdown pass, and said, I cannot stress how bad of a throw this was, watching it in person. And Tyreek and Tyreek made a great adjustment. Tyreek quotes the guy's tweet and says that um, it was actually a really good throw, and he actually ran the wrong route. And then on Hard Knocks, there's actually a video, or not a video, there's a clip of Tyreek, and two of two is showing Tyreek and Tyreek admitting that he ran the wrong route. It was a perfect ball. 
And he got community noted on Twitter. So actually now that I'm thinking about all this, uh, Timo Risk is not the cloud of the week. Okay, this is a, the first live change ever because it was Steven Ruiz who said that anticipation is a bad thing, even though Timo Risk pointed out he's anti-anticipation and looks like a carrot. We're going to give it to this guy, Grant Paulson. Because Grant Paulson, I have no idea who this guy is. He's some clown that tweets about Washington sports. Now, nobody knows who he is. He's got like... This is like the first time anybody outside of like the six fans that follow, six Washington fans that follow this guy have heard about him, right? Um, he has to be clown of the week. If you get community noted by by Dolphins fans and clown by Tyreek Hill, you are the clown of weeks, the clown of the week. So congratulations to you, uh, Grant Paulson. You are the work week. Yeah, you're the week thirteen clown of the week. You would have a difficult time. Finding a larger clown than yourself at a street fair, circus, or the birthday party of a young child. And to any um, any fathers and mothers who might be listening to this podcast, based on the analytics, there's not a lot of you out there. But to anyone that's looking to hire a clown, um, I don't have access to uh, Grant Paulson or Stephen Ruiz last week's runner. But the honorable mention, Jake Fisher, is a major clown. And I am close friends with him. I've known him since I was 10 years old. And if you would like, uh, if you send me a DM, I can get you in touch with him. I can probably have him be a clown at your child's birthday party for a very low rate. He is, he'll do a better job than any, any clown you're going to find at a clown agency, unless you find Timo Risk or Steven Ruiz or Grant Paulson. Uh, right, that was the guy's name? Yeah, Grant Paulson. Uh, he'll do a great job for you, and I can get him at a discount. So um, if you're looking for a clown, just DM me. I, I know a lot of them. Uh, and now j- just, you know, just to go to the broader argument of quarterbacks in this era. So we've entered an era where these mathematician nerds, they, the thing that bothers me about them is these guys are so ignorant. Like they think they know more than everybody. It's not like, like, it's not like they're like, okay, I, I can present a different way of thinking in terms of football through math, right? They think like, I know math, I'm smart, I know more about football than football fan X who's been watching football for 40 years but doesn't know calculus. That's seriously what these guys think. Like, these guys... So, I was thinking about it. Like, imagine if, like, hedge funds chose traders or quantitative analysts based on, like, react, like based on the three-cone shuttle, right? Like, those guys have quick reaction time. Maybe they can quickly react to macroeconomic events. But in reality, you have to have some basis of financial knowledge to, be, to do that, right? Same goes with football. You can't look like a carrot and only know math and then just start using charts that are based on subjective measures, by the way, right? Like, what is completion percentage over expected? Expected based on what? Who's expecting it? What is expected, like, catch, like, catch percentage chance? Like, ESPN's next-gen stats that are like, percentage chance of catching this pass like Devontae Adams had a 20% chance to catch this pass like what does that even mean according to who like that doesn't even make sense so anyway these guys have no clue what they're talking about they know nothing about football and I do think analytics have a certain amount of value but these people that just show charts and it's the same people who say Tua and Brock Purdy sucks have no idea what they're talking about and what we're, the era we're entering is an era where the results on the field don't matter to anybody. That they do to like the what what's considered now to be a casual fan. Not really. Like just by these get like just by these PFF Moo guys. Like they don't care about results. They care about their X and Y axes and their stupid bubble charts that they make. And then they're like, well, yeah, like here's like uh, I, I think it was week one of this year, based on expected points, the Chargers won the game. It, it may have been another year, but it was something like that, like something stupid. Like these guys will never change their opinion. We talked about it last week. How Stephen Ruiz, his quarterback rankings have barely moved since week one. He still is Geno Smith ahead of Tua. Matt, he's Matt Stafford ahead of Tua, and it, it's just bizarre. And the thing is, it's not just these mathematics guys, right? It's how we view a lot of different quarterbacks. Like Trevor Lawrence, right? And I, and I feel terrible for Trevor Lawrence. He, you know, he got injured. Hopefully he'll be back at some point this year. Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. I think he's one of eight quarterbacks that 
going forward I would want on my team. But Trevor Lawrence was, ever since his freshman year at Clemson, after the national championship, he's been anointed, the, he was anointed the next Peyton Manning. He's been solid through three years, but he hasn't lived up to the hype that he gotten. But because of one game that he played in Clemson against Alabama in 2019 or 20, whatever year it was, or t- um, people will still view him as a good quarterback because of that game. Pat McAfee was saying it about Brock Purdy, and I look, I think I like Brock Purdy. I think it's fair to say that, that Brock has it easier than maybe every other quarterback in the league, but I think he makes very good throws. Um, but he was saying, like, everyone just, like, we, we have our scouting opinions on these quarterbacks, and then when a quarterback plays well or doesn't play well, it's like, that doesn't even matter. It's like, oh, we scouted Brock Purdy. We said he, he, he's not good. Oh, well, he's putting up good numbers. It can't be because of him, right? Like, and they do that for everyone other than Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Like, Trevor Lawrence, everyone likes. So, look, Trevor Lawrence came to the Jaguars. The Jaguars suck. But he has 14 touchdowns and seven interceptions th- this year. Like, that's not anything special. And just for comparison purposes, C.J. Stroud has 20 passing touchdowns and five interceptions this year. So, C.J. Stroud came in the league. He came onto a terrible team. C.J. Stroud wasn't half the prospect that Trevor Lawrence was. And has put up 20 touchdowns in 13 games. Trevor Lawrence, one time in three years, has had more than 20 touchdowns. He had 25 last year. And C.J. Stroud has 3,540 yards as a rookie. Like, Trevor Lawrence, his rookie year, 3,641 yards. 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. And you can't say that C.J. Stroud came into the league in the perfect situation because he didn't. So, people are just... These media guys, like the NFL media, in all the sports, these are the most dishonest people you'll ever find. Like Josh Allen, people will look at Josh Allen. They look at his last two games, and now they're trying to say that he's having a good season. He's having like a top three season. Josh Allen has been playing terrible, then played really well against the Jets, who are terrible, and then had a great game against the Eagles, but still had a turnover in his inside his own 25-yard line. And people are like, well, how does it, like, turn, like, everyone makes a big deal about the turnovers. What about the touchdowns? Let me explain something to you. When, when you turn it over inside your own 20 against a Super Bowl team, that is a massive turn of events. That's something that, that changes an entire game. And, like, people look at these throws Josh Allen makes, and I tweeted this today. You can make three of the greatest throws in NFL history. They can be three, you, you could be at your one yard line and you could throw three 30 yard dots off your back foot with two guys in your face, throw it between two defenders with keyhole accuracy, and get that, that, that gets your team to the nine yard line. If you throw an interception on the fourth play, how many points do you come away with? Zero. Josh Allen's been doing that all year against Denver 177 yards, one touchdown, two picks. This was three weeks ago. The week before that, they played Cincy, 258 yards, one touchdown, one pick. So in those games, had less than seven yards, um, le- less than seven yards per attempt, less than two touchdowns, and had in those two games combined, had or not combined, had two interceptions against Bron- the Broncos, one against the Bengals. They lost to the Patriots, right? Less than seven yards per attempt. Uh, Jaguars, he played pretty well. Lost to the Jets, 5.8 yards per attempt, three interceptions. So now in five of the losses, include, so now the Eagles game too. He's had, not five yards per attempt. Uh, in five of the losses of the six, in those games, he's had at least one interception and less than seven yards per attempt. Now, going to the Eagles game, he did play really well. Still only 6.6 yards per attempt. Had, had uh, yeah, yeah, 81 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Played very well, but had a costly turnover. And then the next week, first the Eagles lost 41 to 19, and the Bills had three extra days of rest. Uh, I'm sorry, that's wrong. I, I was thinking about um, the Dolphins, so that's an inaccuracy. They didn't have extra rest, but they were a desperate team, right? Like that matters. The Bills were a desperate team, arguably playing for their season. It's not over, and the Eagles were not desperate. And now everyone's trying to say because of that game, Josh Allen's having a great season. No, he's not. They do the same thing with Justin Herbert. They'll take one clip of Justin Herbert throwing a pass that gets dropped by Quentin Johnson and say that 
This has been going on all year. I can do the same thing. I can take the clip of Justin Herbert missing Keenan Allen and say this this is what happens all the time. Like they'll show the clip of Quinton Johnson's drop and sarcastically be like, Yeah, Justin Herbert should have been a better leader and told him to catch it. Like this this stuff, this this stuff this is the stuff that goes on. So Josh and the other part of all this, Allen, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor's playing well. He looked really good before he got hurt against the Bengals. But like not living up to the hype, if we're being honest. These are not first-year guys. Josh Allen came in the league the same year as Patrick Mahomes. Or, I'm sorry, came in the league the uh, Mahomes' first year as a starter. Trevor Lawrence is in year three. Justin Herbert's in year four. And none of these guys have won anything. Like, Trevor Lawrence won a wild card game. Josh Allen's been to the conference championship once. And then they, like, compare him to Mahomes. And they're like, well, Mahomes is not playing well. Mahomes has won two Super Bowls. He's won two MVPs. He's one of three guys throw 50 touchdowns with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning being the other two and did it his first year as a starter. And Mahomes has no weapons. You want to talk about no weapons, right? Allen has, uh, not Allen, um, Herbert has Keenan Allen. Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs. Trevor Lawrence has Calvin Ridley. Christian Kirk, he just got hurt. He's good though. Um, He's got ETN, a great run game. He's got Evan Ingram. Patrick Mahomes has nothing. Travis Kelsey is the same age as Rob Gronkowski. Everyone says he's the best tight end of all time. That's great. The best tight end is not a better receiver than Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. You can make an argument Travis Kelsey's not a better, he's not a top five pass catcher in the league. And they're still playing well. Like every time. So, and Justin Herbert, they're trying to, like these idiot Charger fans, like he's having a great season. No, he's not. You're 5-7. and seven. He threw the game-losing pick against Dallas. He couldn't get you a field goal against the Dolphins. And he couldn't, he couldn't get you a field goal against the Packers. If you won those games, you'd be 8-4. and four. A field goal would have won it in the uh, Dolphins game. And field goals against Dallas and Green Bay would have tied it. Could have gone OT. He could have won it. You'd be 8-4. and four. You lost those games 23-20 to 20 to Green Bay. And you lost 20-17 to 17 to Dallas. He's playing terrible. And they'll like show one drop. You won the game 6-0 this week. Like Jalen Waddle had a drop this week off a great play by Tua. No one cares. Tua's rookie year against the Bills, they lost by 30. Nine drops in that game. It happens. So my whole point is for these guys like Josh Allen and mostly Allen and Herbert, they complain about the situations which are so much better than what Tua had when he first came in the league, and they use those situations to judge Tua. There it is. There, there's the contradiction by the NFL media. It's when things are perfect for Tua, which they are now, you can't judge him. You can only judge him when things are terrible. Colin Coward said that. Judge quarterbacks based on thing, when things are bad, not when things are good. But for Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, they're playing bad right now, well, don't judge them. Things aren't perfect. How did they look when? How did Justin Herbert look when he had Eckler playing at an All-Pro level, and then he had Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. He had Hunter Henry, who was like a solid, like a tight end, solid tight end uh, as a rookie. So anyway, that's that's what most of this is about. Where Tua right now is the second best quarterback in the league. Now, just let's get some Dolphin-related stuff in, because it is the Fins with Fresh. The I have changed my prediction. We the Kansas City's falling apart. We control our own destiny, and I have us winning the Super Bowl again. I think we're going to get home field advantage. And and the thing is this again eleven. I expect eleven and three, and oh, after these next two games, I don't think the last three games are as hard as everyone thinks. I don't think Dallas is that good. I don't think Baltimore is that good. I don't think Buffalo is that good. Our only road games in Baltimore, I think we win all three. That's the prediction. 14-3, first round by Super Bowl champions. You heard it here. Not Definitely not first, but I am changing the prediction. Now, the thing is, I was really impressed with this week's game. And I was really impressed because a lot of people were saying December 2, and this was fair. Tua doesn't play well in the cold. He did have a good game in Buffalo in the snow. But other than that, hasn't played well in the cold. Uh, He hasn't played well in December. I know it was Washington, and they're terrible. Now, 
But the weather was cold, and it was more about how Tua looked to me. This could have easily been a game, road game. I know the Dolphins had a big att- uh, fan attendance. Road game, um, you know, not ideal weather. Colin Coward's like, this team's a speedboat. They're not physical. This could have been a game where it was like, you know, it dragged out and we won by 10, right? This was, and Jeremy's not making it on the show this week, this was a complete dominant performance from start to finish. It was clean, no stupid penalties, no turnovers, and Tua looked unbelievable. I have not seen him play that well. He was launching it. The weather wasn't good. He looked like faster to me than he has. He looked athletic. He was moving around well in the pocket. And on top of everything, and they were talking about this during the game, and Lewis Riddick was talking about this on first take, they are so much more physical than they're giving credit for. So much more physical. And that's super important, especially when you're play, when you're thinking about teams like the San Francisco 49ers, who are going to be in the Super Bowl probably, because we know it's not going to be the Eagles, or when you're playing a team like the Ravens. Like, all the Ravens have our physicality. We're a physical football team. Our offensive line, like Orlovsky, um, I think it was Orlovsky, was saying that our offensive line isn't that good. I completely disagree with him. Austin Jackson's playing unbelievable. Robert Hunt's good. Connor Williams is good. Teron Armstead's good. And all of a sudden, you know what? I'm not going to say anything about our left guard. I'm not going to jinx anything. But left guard hasn't been a liability as of late. That's all I'm going to say. Not going to say anything else. The O-line has been good. Raheem Mostert is having an unbelievable year. And that's not because he, at 35 years old, just, you know, became an incredible athlete. It's because of, obviously, the field, you know, is opening up because of Tyreek in the past game. But the O-line is blocking. They're moving guys off the football. Defensively, like we hit defensively. Javon Holland wasn't playing this Sunday. He hits. Jerome Baker went out. Hopefully we'll have him back. He's week to week. Um, So we were down Javon, Jerome Baker, and Jalen Phillips won't be back. But like without those three guys, you're going to get one back, hopefully two. These guys are hitting. Cater Kohu cracks people. Jalen Ramsey cracks people. Xavier Howard can hit. David Long can hit. And then... I, I think that I, I would like to see Emmanuel Ogba get more pass rush. Um, I'd I like to see him get more reps in Phillips' absence. I think that, look, I was going to tweet that AVG is too small. Get him out of there. Um, but And then, obviously, AVG played great. And AVG is a playmaker, and I, I love him, and I know he's a fan favorite right now. I think generally you're going to get more pressure out of Emmanuel Ogba than you will out of AVG. But I, I honestly, I thought the usage was ended up perfect this Sunday. We'll see how it goes. I wouldn't be surprised to find myself calling for more Ogba as the weeks go on. I just think AVG at 240 pounds is going to have a difficult time really rushing the passer every single play. Um, Jay, I think Ogba gives you a little bit more of that at 270. Like I think you're going to get the, the big plays from him, but I think generally you're going to have a right tackle who can keep him uh, a good, you know, a good distance from the quarterback for you know a few seconds, and and I think that's not what you want, obviously. Um, but we're a physical football team. And, and it's not what Colin Coward said about the speedboat. We're physical on both sides of the ball. The O-line is good. The D-line's good. And then you add in the receivers. This team is as complete as it gets in the league. You know, the Niners are, are really good. I think we've got a better quarterback, and that matters. And McDaniel knows those guys. And if you look at last year, I thought we had a good game plan. Tua didn't play well. And it wasn't even pressure. He just looked off his game. That's my only concern is like, can these guys just execute basic stuff? Can they can they play to the level they're capable of playing in big games? I think they have the highest ceiling of anyone in the league, and I I, I think that we're going to be able to. Um, I th- I think this is the year. So with all that being said, Tua MVP, Dolphin Super Bowl. Um, people there there's a lot of clowns out there that don't know anything. Nobody thought that Tua was going to be doing this with Tyreek. No one thought Tyreek was going to be doing this with Tua. Uh, let's let's get into predictions for this week. I'm predicting Ryan Tannehill will take a snap this week. That's my bold prediction. I don't know how. I don't know how he's going to get in there. Maybe it's at the end of the game. Maybe they bench Levis. But they're going to try to make this a Ryan Tannehill revenge game. And it's going to go poorly. The Titans suck. Ryan Tannehill sucks. And it does not seem like too long ago where people were clowning the Dolphins 
uh, saying that if the Dolphins still had Tannehill, that that would have been better. Tannehill's way better than Tua. Um, and then Tannehill came in in 2021 and beat us 34-3. Or we went there. We went to Tennessee. And, he, and apparently he said, I wanted to pour it on them. And Mike Wallace was tweeting at Ryan Tannehill, it wasn't you, it was that toxic program. Well, Mike Wallace is out of the league. Ryan Tannehill might as well be out of the league. And the Dolphins are the one seed in the AFC through 13 weeks with Tua Tungavailoa at quarterback. <laughs> that is where we're at, baby! How exciting is all that? So, why don't I one-up what we did, what Ryan Tannehill did to us in 2021 and say we win the game 35-3, to right? They beat us 34-3. We'll get one more point, 35-3. to And, again, this is it. Like, you got... I could see us dominating Dallas. I could see us dominating any team. I know how bad Washington is, but especially in December, that was a really impressive performance. You know, that, that stuff doesn't happen. There was, I, I looked at it. That was the only 30-point win of the week. The only 20-point win of the week was the Niners. Obviously, that was a way more impressive win that the Niners had because they went on the road against the team that was in the Super Bowl and did that. There's only three teams that won by more than 10 points. Uh, one of them was the Ra- the other one was the Rams who were playing against Joe Flacco. I'm sorry, the Cardinals beat the Steelers by 14. Okay, so I lied. But look, it's difficult to go on the road in December and and, and score 45 points, even if seven of them came um, on an extra point by Jason Sanders and an interception return for a touchdown by Andrew Van Ginkle. Um, look, these are exciting times. I'm totally back on the train. I think that. This team's peaking at the right time. That's what you want to do, and it's very exciting to see. And uh, Jake Fisher, who's on the podcast, if you're listening right now, your team is um, doing the opposite of peaking. Your team is valleying at the wrong time. You want to be rising at this time. The Eagles are falling. Chiefs are falling. Uh, The Jaguars, I can't say anything about them because they have – an injury to Trevor Lawrence. Hopefully he comes back. And the Ravens suck. Who do they play this week? The Ravens play... Yeah, they might lose. I mean, they could lose. I mean, the Rams are terrible, but they play the Rams at home. Yeah, the thing about the Ravens, like, they're going to... They play... They play in Jacksonville and in San Fran back-to-back. Yeah, so, I mean, even without Trevor Lawrence, they could probably lose to C.J. Beathard, so... Yeah, so that game in Week 17 isn't even going to be for the one seed against Baltimore. They're going to be two losses behind us. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, there's no one that scares me in the AFC uh, except for how good we can be. It's scary how good we are. And um, that's it. 35-3, that's the prediction of this week. And I said I expect 11-3. and I was impressed by how we won the game, not that we won the game. I'm not a Giants fan. I don't get impressed with... Um, wins over Washington because that's something you should do every time you play them. Ron Rivera is an idiot. Uh, and yeah, um, I expect 11 and three and I, I think we don't lose. I don't think we lose the rest of the season. Um, so to those of you who made it to the end, uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next week and fins up.